AJ Crable has been on Leader Chat before, but based on the quality of our last conversation with him and his new book, we simply had to have him back. AJ's understanding of school board governance is beyond reproach. His new book, Great on Their Behalf, is a must read for any school or district leader. School boards have the potential to focus their efforts on students, and if they shed the temptation to focus on adult issues, great things can happen. Enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Leader Chat. I'm Jeff Rose, and today is special for uh, two reasons specifically. One, because this guest we've had before, and we have invited him back. We've only done that a few other times, but um, you will see the reason and rationale as to why. And two, it's, it's so much fun to be able to talk to our guest, A.J. Crable, face-to-face. So many of the times we have to uh, bring in our people um, virtually, but in some cases we actually get to sit around a table, which, by the way, makes the experience for me and hopefully you uh, all, the, all the better. It's more personable and uh, it's, just, it's just a lot of fun to engage eyeball to eyeball with our guests. The, if you haven't listened to the first episode with A.J. Crable, I recommend you do that. I'm not saying that you have to prior to jumping into this, but this conversation is clearly building off the last one, which is really based upon school board and governance issues, challenges, but more specifically, solutions and concepts to creating a well-oiled machine at the governance level and school in with school boards, which by the way, is much easier said than done. And I don't know anybody more experienced in helping and holding the hands of districts, leaders, school boards as A.J. Crable. So, AJ, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me. It's wonderful to be here. So, I'm, I'm not going to do your bio this time. Thank you. You are. So, <laughs> I, I know I know you didn't like that. The last time I asked to read your bio, you said, uh, skip it. So, I didn't skip it. How about this? Just give us a brief, like, how did you get to this place where we're sitting here, right? You didn't wake up one day and decide to coach school <laughs> board. So, help our guests catch them up. Who are you if they didn't listen to the first episode? Just give us a brief bio. Oh, well, the things that I enjoyed doing the most is I've served as a school board member in my local school district. I've served as a school board coach for a number of years for school districts in my area and then across my state and then across the nation. I've supported the school boards and the school systems across the state of Texas and I now support school systems across the entire nation through my work with the Council of Great City Schools. In addition to that, the other thing that I spend time working on that I absolutely love and uh, gets me going is I'm working with a number of schools on student-led restorative practices, really helping schools rethink, in particular I'm working with a group of high schools and one middle school to rethink how do we address discipline in and the person doing the response to discipline challenges is often the person who's developing skills around it. And couldn't this be a great opportunity for students to develop skills around how to deal with circumstances uh, when there's conflict, when there's harm being created? Like there's so many ways that that could be a blessing to students to have that skill set. Well, great. There's plenty of opportunity to practice in schools. So plenty. Let, let's create that. At the same time, if it also takes a few items off of the adults' plates so they can be more focused on improving the quality of instruction, 
all the greater. And so between coaching students and teachers around student-led restorative practices or coaching school boards and superintendents around student outcomes-focused approach to governance, between those two, that's where I'm having the most fun. Well, since, I mean, it hasn't even been a year since yeah. we talked. It's been less than, but there's been some pretty big changes uh, for you. Bit, I, pr last time we had talked, I had in my hands, I think, three chapters of this <laughs> book that you were working yeah. on. And the, but that wasn't the focus was those three chapters, right? We talked, we actually waxed and waned and compared notes on what we saw as it relates to you know, some of the cumbersome activities mm -hmm. that happen with school boards no and doubt. governance issues. Well, um, since then, your book, which is really going to be the crux of the conversation, has been published. And not only has it been published, but it's doing well. I know that I've been handing it out kind of like candy. <laughs> and um, uh, I hear that it is being really well received. So maybe just talk to us about how that's been. Like, what is what has life been like for you since we last sat, which was only about eight, nine months ago? Yeah, it's this has been a lot more fun than I might have realized. Is First, it's just helpful to be able to have a lot of ideas out of my head and on paper in a way that is useful to board members and superintendent and school board coaches around the country. And so, yeah, I've had some amount of people come and like, AJ, I'm so grateful. I will never have to talk to you again because I can just read the book. And, that, and, that's, and that's a blessing to my life. Um, and I was like, you know what? Hallelujah for you. Um, so having the ideas just out there for people to experience. One of the other things I've really enjoyed is I've received calls just out of the blue from board members, but also superintendents, and even in some cases, parents saying, hey, I got a copy of your book. I, I read through this, and this is exactly what my school system needs. And thank you so much. Like This has us thinking about how we serve children in a different way, and has us moving on that. It has me reevaluating my own behaviors uh, in a new way. And so that, that's got to be the most gratifying thing, is just hearing that it's actually making a difference for people in their service to children. Um, it's gotten to the point I actually have received a lot of text messages from folks and emails from folks who had the book and have taken a photo of the book with a selfie and then sent it to me. I had one friend, she handed it to her three-year-old and the three-year-old is sitting on the couch looking like she's reading my book and she sent that. And so it's just been a lot of fun for people to get something valuable out of it and be able to live into their intentions around serving children in a more powerful way. Awesome. So, ladies and gentlemen, great on their behalf is the title of the book, and it's it's dense. It's, it's is, it fair, is it fair to say that? Just a little bit. So the reason I bring that up, um, it's 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 a good dense, and the reason I bring that up is if the goal of this conversation, this leader chat, is to help kind of break it down, is yeah. to bring me break it down in a very pragmatic, uh, digestible way, but in the meantime. We assume that when people hear, they'll want to learn more. Yeah. But I'm going to have to go through it kind of chronologically, if that's okay. Yeah. I think that that may sound formulaic, but it may provide kind of the best walkthrough and summary and obviously coming, you know, from the mouth of the expert. Does that make sense? Is yeah. that okay? All right. So, um, and first off, we're going to make sure within the context of this conversation, we take a selfie. 
<laughs> right, we've got mics in our face. Of course, we've got we've got the book right here. We're going to take a selfie in the middle of the show at one point in time. We'll take take a pause and we'll do it. So um, let's let's start at the very beginning where you where you mention what you call as failures. Yeah. Right. And by the way, I have always appreciated because I've you know heard you speak to groups, watch you coach, etc. You're very frank. You're very honest and very clear. As you say, you just ask the right questions. You let even people kind of sit with some discomfort at times, <laughs> right? You're good at that. But you use the word failures, right? There yeah. are kind of three specific failures, right? There's knowledge-based, there's skill-based, and there's mindset-based. Yeah. Can you walk us through these failures a little bit? Uh, absolutely. And, and the challenge is that for school board members across the country, that this is almost exclusively a group of just committed do-gooders who want to see something great happen in their community. And it's important that we identify where governance failures occurred. It is not of service to children to pretend that failure isn't occurring when failure is in fact occurring. Like our access to greatness on behalf of the children we serve starts from being clear about what's working and not working. And so to label something as failure is to suggest that it's not working. It's not to and somehow impugn the individual who is perpetuated the failure. But it is to be clear, this has not worked and we have to and we have to confront that as an access to work creating workability. And so the three areas of failure that I've identified that seem to be plaguing school boards is the first one is around knowledge. They're just simple things that every school board member should know that is just not being taught. And so what happens is what is being taught is how not to break the law, you know, how to be in compliance. And I'm not suggesting those aren't necessary, but you could comply perfectly with every law and not make any difference in whether or not little AJ, what they know and are able to do is growing. You, you can perfectly cover yourself as an adult and children not receive any blessing from that whatsoever. And so I would describe all of that training around legality and logistics as necessary but insufficient to be great on behalf of the students you serve. That instead, the focus on knowledge needs to be around what does it look like to actually set goals? What does it look like to actually listen for the vision and values of the community and condense that into a set of policy statements we refer to as goals and guardrails? Like that is simply not being taught. And, you, and one of the things I highlight in this section is that actually coded school board trainings from across the country for three years, hundreds and hundreds of trainings provided school board members to see where is this focus on student outcomes and goal setting and, and being mindful of what is the vision of the community with what frequency is that what's being taught? And what I found after coding all of these sessions that board members are specifically expected to attend, that less than 4% of them had anything to do with student outcomes, had anything to do with whether or not children are growing and what they know or are able to do. That most of it was you know, vendors. Most of it was folks who have a real vested interest in extracting resources from the organization. But that may or may not be aligned with improving outcomes for students in the organization. So these are knowledge failures. Okay. Uh, when we think about skill failures, once you've got goals, just setting them on a shelf isn't actually going to make any difference. And so you actually have to have a set of skills about how you use that knowledge now that you've deployed it. This is really around monitoring progress toward those goals. How, how are we actually using the information of what the community's vision is to cause it to be more alignment 
of those communities' resources with the community's vision and values. Is this is this similar to like say behavior, for example, what we witness in terms of the behavior, the agenda specifically? Agenda is that going to be all of those types of skills? All of those types of things live in skills. How are we using our time? How are we deploying uh, the knowledge that we've gained? And unfortunately, what we find is that for the most part. Most boards aren't actually investing any meaningful amount of time uh, as we've coded school board meetings, hundreds and hundreds of school board meetings that we've coded across the nation to look for how are school boards using their time. What we found is nationwide, on average, less than 5% of board meetings are actually spent with any type of discussion around what is it that students are knowing and are able to do. And it drops to just above 0% when you account for what percentage of time is focused on goals that boards have set about what students should know and be able mm -hmm. to do. And because often most boards just haven't set smart goals about student learning. And so if you don't have them, it's impossible to monitor progress toward them and to align resources with them. So these are what I describe as skill failures. But even if you account for the knowledge and skill failures. Yeah, this is this is what truly separates <laughs> so much of of what you talk about right because this this next piece is kind of the this is where it lives this is where it lives is the mindset piece so is let's it, even if you avoid the knowledge failures and even if you avoid the skill failures what's absolutely holding back what's possible for children is when boards indulge in those mindset failures where they indulge in a failure of what is my view of the world? How am I making meaning of what's happening in the world around me? How am I, what is my understanding around what my role is and why the school system exists and, and what my behavior is contributing to within that? All this lives in the, in the realm of mindset and, and as boards fail to notice that school systems exist for one reason and one reason only, and that's to improve student outcomes, it is they, is they fail to notice and honor that 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 creates a cascading effect where even if we had figured out the right knowledge and skills, we're probably not going to deploy them. As boards fail to recognize why boards exist, to represent the vision and values of the community, uh, that even if we have all the right knowledge and skills, there'll be a cascade of failure that emanate from this failure to understand what my role is as a board, is to represent the vision and values of our community. And even if we get all that sorted out, if I'm not willing to confront my own behavior, if I'm not, not willing to constantly be reflective on my practice, in the same way that we'd want every teacher to be, in the same way we want every principal to be, certainly in the same way we want the superintendent to be, if I'm unwilling to be reflective on my practice and know Notice what are my behaviors? They're actually making it harder for students to be successful. Confront and accept, acknowledge those behaviors, and then begin to make new choices that give rise to a new future. If I'm not willing to constantly be in that practice, then unknowingly and unintentionally, for the most part, what I'm doing will descend into failure-driven behavior that's actually going to have this really horrible impact on the school system's ability to deliver the promise of education for our students. Do you, do you find that, so, you know, we're, we're kind of drawn to and fascinated to the A word, right? Accountability all the time in systems, right? And so, and it is a school board's job to create systems and structures Certainly. that monitor, um, you know, levels of accountability. Yeah. In the meantime, obviously they're supposed to focus on the accountability of their leader, their employee, the superintendent or the CEO, however described in that district. Um, and then of course, ensure that the superintendent has systems and policies yeah. that creates accountability throughout. In the meantime, here's the question, who are school board members accountable to? And do you think that maybe a misunderstanding of that 
translates to sometimes some of these behavior or mindset challenges? Yeah, so probably the biggest dysfunction in that regard, and I do address this in the mindset portion of the book, is having a lack of clarity about the difference between my the job of the board being to represent the vision and value of the community versus the frequent backslide of board members into representing the wants and desires of individual community members. So the story that I tell in the book is, you know, about Miss Johnson, who, you know, she summons me one day, yeah. she's like, this is, I want this thing. Um, and she's absolutely insistent. And she's also very, very influential politically. And so I'm feeling this urge to just give Miss Johnson what she wants, because it's Miss Johnson. Mm -hmm. But that's not, in fact, my job. My job is not to honor the wants and whims of Miss Johnson. It's to work with the board and to collectively represent the vision and values of the community as a whole. But the Miss Johnsons are in every community and they are persuasive. And I know intuitively that if I get on Ms. Johnson's bad side, my next election might go a little bit differently. And so there is this temptation to abandon my function as a board, which is to work collaboratively to represent the vision and values of the community and instead take on the self-serving function of an elected official which is to serve the whims and wants of individual community members who have power and authority. That, that particular mindset failure is absolutely the heart of so much of what I see not working in places where school systems are struggling and that we cause uh, this cascade effect that pushes the school system away from being focused on student outcomes and instead being focused on patronage around adult inputs, like which adults are getting which services, which adults are getting which value out of it. Well, you know, my cousin needs a job, my friend needs a contract, and all of a sudden that becomes what's its center. But the, the core mindset failure that initiated all that is me not recognizing as a board member, my job is to work with the board to represent the vision and values of the community, not work as a solo practitioner to represent the wants and whims of individual community members. So maybe this is one of the reasons, AJ, that you're also focusing on um, discipline structures and so forth with students because maybe you need a break. <laughs> I gotta right? tell you, right? you're doing it being a break because I love it. the discipline structures among <laughs> students is much easier it's a whole than lot discipline easier. structures amongst adults. Am I right? It is so much easier. Yeah, you know, students. <laughs> when you invite students to be reflective in their practice, when they're you know kind of out of that place of being triggered and kind of back in just a place of nor normalcy. Like the the ease and the speed with which um, I experienced them being open to really reflecting on their practice and uh, investigating changes in behavior, uh, and my it, it just outperforms what I experienced with adults. And I and I suspect part of that is is that students just have less invested in the veneer that I'm trying to pitch to you. Whereas particularly as elected officials, we have a lot invested in the veneer that I'm trying to pitch to you because this might hinge on whether or not you choose to vote for me in the future. So, so I, I think there's a higher stakes game for adults that makes it more enticing to hide behind the pretending rather than to really lean into the introspection. Yeah, I, I, I know exactly what you're referring to. I mean, I, I can see it in my mind's eye. Now, um, also I wanna be clear that, you know, your book, especially since we, we discussed, it starts with these concept of failures. Um, there's a very clear shift. This is not just, uh, this book isn't uh, about venting and whining. It's about being very clear, but there is this shift to this is what you need to focus on. In yeah. order to, 
you know, navigate some of these typical and common failures that we see yeah. happen throughout the country. And of course, when you talk about these kind of, you know, areas, these key five areas to focus on, the first is obviously going to be mindset, mindset, right? Mindset. So, and you know, you have this famous quote, I'm not going to say it around adult behaviors. <laughs> you, you can say it, but if a, um, if a community, if a board, um, the administrative team who are obviously representing and supporting a community simultaneously, yeah. if they if they agree, we do need to focus on their mindset. Yeah. Help, help us understand what that looks like, because it's not just a, you know, idle and quick, chit chat around yeah. the topic it's deep discourse yeah this, it's deep work it benefits from really having a third party come in and help facilitate that and this is where the function of coaching is so valuable whether that is coaching for the administrative team or coaching for the governance team but having uh, someone come in from the outside who isn't part of the day-to-day -day, who isn't invested in the ongoings that are happening you know in, in any system uh, but that who can really help create a safe space for folks to wrestle with what is actually happening we refer to this as awareness like do you all actually see what's going on and and often it's hard to see what's right in front of you until somebody from the outside just shows it um, for what it is. One of the ways that I do this, I mentioned this in the book as well, is I'll invite boards to pull out a copy of their most recent agenda for their board meeting. Yeah. And I'll just ask them, show me the items on here that are focused on student outcomes. Show me the items on here that are really focused on have our students learned in the areas that we've set goals around. And, and, they'll, and, the, and this is this awareness moment. It's like, well, we did this. Was that about student outcomes? Well, no. And this, is that? No. And, and they, go, they can go through an entire four-hour meeting. It's like, we didn't spend any time talking about, is any of this actually working to cause improvements in what students know are able to do? But that's a moment of awareness. Uh, and that as an outside coach, that we're uniquely positioned to help inspire people into. The, the next step of that process is acknowledgement. Awareness is not enough. So, okay, now we see that we're not focused as a board on student outcomes. The next thing as a coach that we do to really strengthen that experience is we bring them into a place of acknowledgement. Not merely the board isn't focused, what in your behavior actually diminished the board's focus on student outcomes? What in, what in my behavior actually made it less likely that we collectively would be focused on student outcomes? And as I get present to my behavior, uh, the things that I'm doing that are actually undermining my beliefs, values, and commitments, that is a powerful moment. We refer to that as a moment of acknowledgement. So the first step is awareness. The next step is acknowledgement. And then only in the context of acknowledgement, does action make sense? Action grounded in awareness is not valuable. Action grounded in awareness sounds like, here's what those people over there are doing. Action grounded uh, in acknowledgement, however, is here's what I'm doing. And the moment I get present to the things that I'm doing that are making it harder for my students to be successful, I can immediately take action around that. This is fully within my locus of control. I don't have to wait for someone else. I don't have to wait for funding. I don't have to wait for consensus. Like the moment I get present to what in my behaviors are absolutely destroying the things that I say I believe, that I value, that I'm committed to, I can immediately be in action. That's a beautiful moment for a leader when I, when I can see uh, not merely what's happening out there, awareness, but what's happening in here, acknowledgement, and then find an action that's grounded in acknowledgement that moves in a new direction that creates a new future for my students. You know, I want our listeners to understand too that what you're describing in terms of, you know, awareness, acknowledgement, et cetera, what I have watched you push with people is not acknowledgement of us, it really focuses me. Yeah. 
right? And so I have seen that, and I know it's very easy for a team to point fingers, right? It's this blame game hey, that would, happens. Would they over there get their act together? Only, this is going to be great. If only. This like our, our meetings would hump, <laughs> right? It's it's Miss Johnson yeah. who it's derails us. Johnson. It's definitely Miss Johnson. And so the um, the focus that, that you push with mindset is for everyone to look in the mirror, yeah. to look inside of themselves, to look at their own behaviors, their own patterns, etc. And that is another separator on what I have seen as it relates to your training and coaching compared to some others that I've been, you know, witness to because I've been in many. Yeah, the challenge is the biggest space for transformation <clears throat> is the space where I am seeing my behaviors, seeing where they aren't aligned with my beliefs, values, and commitments, and then grounded in that, making a change in my behavior. And particularly as I do that as a leader, I silently give permission to everyone else around me to do the same. And that, that's when we can really begin to create, spark a cultural transformation in our organization where it's not about hiding from what's not working. It's about noticing my participation in it and, and changing my behavior and being open about that and saying, hey, here's what I'm doing that's not working. And, and that's, that's information for everyone to know. And here's what I'm going to do that's, that's different. And that requires courage, to be clear. It requires courage. There, there's a vulnerability here. But I've got to make a decision at some point. Am I here for me or am I here for students? Am I willing to take a risk? to create something amazing for students or am I so grounded in what I need to get out of the situation that I'm unwilling to put myself out there in this way, unwilling to lead the culture and climate of my school system in a direction that really creates what's possible for children. And that message you just said is, is res, should resonate, not just with, um, you know, volunteers or board members. This is also specific to leaders. This is all of us. Higher leaders, are you willing to put yourself aside and focus on truly what you signed up for? Yeah. Right? Okay, so I was recently talking with one of, with a coach, and this coach had been trained by you, and we were discussing mindset. But moving into kind of this next clarify, clarify priorities, I was acknowledging to her I said, now that I'm no longer a superintendent and hindsight's 2020, and I can look back honestly from the balcony and not the mm -hmm. dance floor at some of my, my own actions. What I recognize is that there are many times that I folded to the pressure of Miss Johnson or Miss Johnson's, yeah. wanting to be, quote, transparent. Yeah. And therefore showing the board as well as the community at times, let me show you under the hood. Yeah. And in fact, let me let me reach in and you can touch some of the components <laughs> under the hood, yeah. right? And then I would be frustrated when they would question, poke mm -hmm. and prod. What I should have had them focus on is um, one, what is the direction we, you want this vehicle to go? Yeah. And number two, hold me and us accountable for the speed in which, right, our progress or lack thereof, as Absolutely. opposed to let me open the hood. I shouldn't have opened the hood. Don't open the hood. Right. This is a working and mistake. So, and, and I think this aligns to the section called clarify priorities. Yeah. Do you think I'm accurate on that? A absolutely. The, the challenge is that board members want to make a difference. That's, that's actually the problem. <laughs> the problem is they want to make a difference and and we don't create a clear path to what does it look like for a board member to make a difference. And so 
then they root about looking for ways to make a difference because it's the the desire of their heart to make a difference. But that's that's the challenge is they just want to make a difference. And in the absence of clarity around what could I do from my particular leadership role that could have the biggest net impact on improvements of student outcomes. In the absence of clarity around that, then I'm just going to grab, you know, the nearest wrench and I'm going to start, you know, clanging on stuff and see what I can get done. But that doesn't come from this hostile place that comes from, I just want to do, do something great for young people. I don't know what that looks like. And, and I say that, uh, I give a very lengthy story in the book about when I did the exact same thing as a brand new board member, not realizing what I was doing was actually causing harm, but the desire was to make a difference. I was in fact causing harm and, and, I, and I simply didn't know it. And so the, the challenge then, and this is where, whether it's the coach or you know, board officers or someone helps to make it clear what are the things that are the priority that we ought to be focused on and what does it look like in my particular leadership role to be focused on? What does it look like from a board member role? What does it look like from a superintendent role? What does it look like from a principal role? And so a lot of our coaching work winds up being around getting clear about what is the ultimate end result that the school system is trying to create and what students don't are able to do. And at the board level, what is the work for you to be engaged in that helps drive us closer to that priority? At the superintendent level, what's the work that you need to be engaged in that's going to be most influential? At the at the staff role, the cabinet level role, at the principal level role, what's the work you need to be engaged in? And we spend a lot of our coaching time really supporting folks and identifying where those roles are connecting successfully and where they're not. And where they're not, what do we need to do about that so that folks can really add the maximum amount of value? But if people aren't clear about what is it that we're trying to accomplish, mm -hmm. then you can't do any of that alignment work. So when we talk about our priorities, the next section is is monitoring progress. Now, um, you, you, you kind of touched on this. When you look at a board meeting agenda, and then if you were to kind of put a percentage on it, right, what percentage of our time, our three-hour meeting, is actually focused on students, yeah. outcomes, yeah. right, our goals, and, and then how are we monitoring sadly. them? And then, and then in the meantime, what tends to happen is even if the discussion is rich and focused on some component of the school district, then it's very easy for sometimes leaders to justify some sort of loose connection to students, <laughs> right? That happens. Everything's connected. Right. So when it comes to then monitoring progress yeah. within the context of the role and responsibility, actions and behaviors during a meeting, walk us through some of the advice here that you, that you talk about in the book. One of the things that we've found makes a huge difference in terms of monitoring progress and making that time in the board meeting just the most constructive it can be at helping supporting student learning is before you ever start all of that is it at the after you've identified what the priorities are putting in place a set of metrics that are this is how we're going to know whether or not we're getting closer to accomplishing the goals and so by creating clarity up front on not only here is the priority, here's the goal that we're trying to get to, here's what we want students to know and be able to do, but then creating a set of aligned metrics to say, here's how we're going to measure it. And we're going to keep using these ways of measuring it. We're not going to uh, go and grab some different data. We're not going to 
decide that we're going to measure it that way. Like we're going to come to consensus. We're going to reach agreement on the front end. Here's how we're going to know whether or not we're, we're moving in that direction. And that's what we're going to be focused on monitoring progress toward. And so random acts of data is not synonymous with monitoring progress, uh, getting, uh, all this information together that I found myself from wherever sources is not a form of monitoring. Uh, I heard such and such say on Facebook or Twitter that this is what's happening is not a form of monitoring. Instead, what we have to do is be clear about what are the priorities? What are the things that represent the community's vision and values or the smart goals that we've adopted? And then let's find the smart metrics that, are, that we collectively say are directly aligned to that. And that be the data that we're using for monitoring. And so it can't be this arbitrary, we're making it up as we go, we're pulling it out of a hat because somebody on social media said so, but here's what we say when we've looked at the evidence that these are the things that are most predictive. Here's the early indicators that are most predictive of are we moving in that direction? And that's the data that we're going to look at. So this is where the, your concept of, of guardrails is really important to recognize. Because um, you said random acts of data, right? I, I, I say <laughs> random acts of improvement all the time. And you see them in strategic plans throughout the yeah. country, right? That's a very interesting initiative. It sounds um, cool. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, is it aligned to what you truly expect in terms of your overall student outcomes? Mm -hmm. Well, then, as you know, sometimes boards ask with a pure heart for certain information and data. I request the following information. Mm -hmm. However, guardrails need to be in place specific to why are you asking for that data as it relates to or may not relate to what your role and responsibility as well as the progress and the priorities of the district? Am I correct on that? Yeah. So what we want to do is the board has to represent the vision of the community. What do we want our students to know and be able to do? But the board also has to represent the values of the community. What are the non-negotiables that have to be honored? And the, for, to represent the vision, we offer goals to represent the values, we offer guardrails. And then there are these aligned metrics that the superintendent comes up with for how do we monitor progress toward these. And that winds up creating, here's what we're going to focus on with our time. And if it's outside of that, that's fine. We're not going to do it in a board meeting. That, that, that's one of the critical distinctions in this work is that we're making decisions about what is going to be time spent in board meetings and what is not going to be time spent in board meetings with this understanding that what we do in board meetings clarifies what our priorities are. Like if we say that our priorities are A, B, and C, but we never actually talk about those in board meetings. Mm -hmm. Instead, we always talk about X, Y, and Z. Then what we're really saying is we don't actually value A, B, and C at all. What we actually value is X, Y, and Z. How we spend our time clarifies where our heart is, clarifies where we intend to put our treasure, clarifies the things that we actually prioritize. And so it's not enough when we say that we're clarifying the priorities, that we come up with something that's on paper, but then we do something else in reality. If this is authentically the community's vision and values, then this has to be what we focus at least 50% of our time on every single month. Every month without fail, that we're spending at least 50% of our time monitoring progress toward our goals for student outcomes, and that we're spending time uh, monitoring progress relative to these guardrails that, and that is what we're doing. And that as other things come up, great. Other things are going to come up. It's a school system. It's not as if nothing else is going to come up. Things will come up. What we're not saying is they won't. We're not pretending as if they won't. What we are saying is that we're going to be disciplined and stay focused in our board meetings on the things that the community has said matter most. Yeah. And that's the difference. And so if a board member is curious about, you know, Taco Tuesday related information, 
I say as a superintendent, you know, put that in a Friday update, email at home. But as a board chair, never put it on the agenda. If it's not a part of the goals and the guardrails, then don't spend board time on it. The only exception to that being, of course, there are things you have to legally attend to. Um, but most of the things that I hear board members wanting to lean into isn't the legality. Taco Tuesdays. It's Taco Tuesday type stuff. And what I'm saying is great. Send that information yeah. home as a superintendent. Send it home in a Friday update. But as a board chair, if it's not part of the community's vision and values that you've codified in your goals and guardrails, so we don't get a random new aspect of the vision every week, a random new, like there's a finite set because we're, we're here to be effective. And that means we can't have the board that prioritizes everything is the board prioritizes nothing. And so we're going to have a finite set of goals and guardrails, and that's what we're going to focus our energy on during our board meetings. And so again, other stuff will come up, so be it. That's fine. Board members want other information, send them the information home. We're not going to put it on the board meeting agenda because that would be dishonoring the vision and values of the community. The last time, uh, this goes to our, our first leader chat, you and I came up with this idea you know, impromptu idea that I've actually heard a lot of comments from others since that when are you and AJ going to do that? And that was, <laughs> we were going to, and we, we, do, we need to do this sometime. I've actually written this all up. I've got a right? full... Yeah, uh, we've got to do this. We're going to watch a board meeting, right? We're going to just make a choice. We're going to watch, and then you'll provide the the analysts. Like, we'll be like sportscasters. You're the analyst, okay. and I'm the color commentator. And we'll have this discussion back and forth, pause, and, you know, align, and eventually we'll put a percentage on it. And <laughs> did, did they meet that, you know? Yeah. Okay, so bring us home, AJ. I know this is a dense book, but if we're then the next steps are about aligning resources, yeah. which for many they would say, yeah, that makes sense, yeah. and then communicate results. Um, but you know, it's a little bit more complicated and you know uh, more specific than just those things. What yeah. do those two things mean, as described in the book? So the aligning resources is actually a part that most people recognize. Like, oh, this is the stuff that we already do except for you're doing it in an unaligned way, because if you haven't clarified the priorities, you have nothing to align to. Yeah. And so to align the resources means we've listened to the vision values of the community, we've codified that in a set of goals and guardrails, and now we're gonna say everything else we do has to line up with that. So when it's time to adopt the budget, how do we know to adopt the budget? Well, what evidence is the superintendent provided that this is aligned to accomplishing goals while honoring the guardrails? When it's time to vote on any other item, how do we know to vote on it? Well, has the superintendent shown us evidence that's aligned to accomplishing the goals and honoring the guardrails? When it's time to evaluate the superintendent, what are the criteria we should use? Well, have they caused growth relative to goals and honoring the guardrails? And so this idea of alignment is all of the activities that the board has to do, the board still has to do. That's not the question. The question is, are you doing them in a manner that is driving the organization in a coherent direction? Are you causing alignment of the resources, not just utilization? In the absence of alignment, what happens is whatever Mrs. Johnson voices loudest, that's where the that's where the resources align to. They don't align to the community's vision and values because we haven't adopted those. So they align to whatever the loudest voices are. And then we sit back and we wonder, well, how come we have these radically inequitable systems where some students are honored and get what they need and other students are largely ignored? It's because we never had a larger vision to align things to. And so we aligned it to the loudest voice. And, and this is this is how we destroy what's possible for children. And so this aligning of resources is critical. And then the final step is we got to communicate results. Like it's the community schools, the community's buildings, the community's children, the community's tax dollars. And so once the community has laid down the vision, 
It's our responsibility to go back to the community and say, here's what's working, here's what's not working, and here's what's going to happen next. That's what it means to communicate the results. That this, that's the fifth step in the process. And then because it's a continuous improvement cycle, then you just keep on wash, rinse, and repeat. Okay, so um, we're going to ask kind of our famous last question here in a second. <laughs> but before, and our producer, Chris, is going to be, he's going to be furious at me for doing this. <laughs> because, you know, he's going to say, why don't you just do this afterwards, Jeff? But it'll be, it'll be fun to do this literally on, on the video and on the show. So I'm going to hold up the book, AJ. Can you get your big, beautiful grin ready? Ready? Three, two, one. There it is. Okay, so now we got our <laughs> selfie. Now, final question. Most of our process is to support leaders in the leadership circle. Yeah. Um, of course, we provide this content, which we find to be really helpful because, as you know, a leader is really stretched for time. Yeah. They're not reading as many books as I'm afforded to be able to do yeah. to be able to perform this show. But we provide this content in video yeah. and audio. But in the meantime, let's let's pretend because most of our systems are about roundtable processes. Yeah. Right? Circles are better than rows. If we had we have around this table with us some principals, some superintendents, some people from the executive team, yeah. um, and they've read the book, so they, they they watched version one and two of the leader chat. They engaged. They read the book. What what advice would you want to give them? What advice would you want to leave them with? This is kind of the drop the mic. Yeah elevator speech to consider the following to be able to see some results aligned to my advice for you in in you know great on their behalf yeah. ideally people could read through this and come to themselves here's how we're going to implement that and if that if folks feel like they have that capacity and it's actually working then do it realistically the nature of the shift that this that we're describing here is so great the magnitude is so significant that it is highly unlikely that folks will make the leap themselves and so the number one coaching i have for folks don't try to go solo get a coach find someone who can help I, the transition i made on my board from being absolutely focused on exclusively adult inputs to really honing our focus on student outcomes is because I found a coach. And just by the grace of God, I found a coach who was able to help guide me in the direction of being focused on student outcomes. I would not have found it on my own. It's not that I didn't want it. It's not because my heart wasn't purely focused on and desiring it. It's that I, I didn't have a guide to help me figure out how to get there. And our students don't have time for us to wait and figure it out over the course of 15 years. Our students need us to be there now. And so my number one coaching, every board, Every school board in the country, they should have a coach for themselves and they should be affording a coach for their superintendent to hire for themselves. AJ, thanks. I mean, it's great to see you face to face. Uh, it really is. It really is. You're the man. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, um, let me also be very clear on this. Um, while AJ does coaching, um, he is not professing this just because, you know, the, the request is to, to call AJ. So there are coaches out throughout the country that have actually been trained on this model. They don't necessarily work for AJ. They're out there supporting boards. Right. So if you have any curiosities, of course, AJ is an open book. If there's any thoughts, reach out to us. We can help direct that. Um, anything we can do to help our leaders, that's truly what we're here for. Um, we uh, just make an assumption. I make an assumption that this content has been just as helpful for you as it is for me. It's extremely intriguing. Great on their behalf. Get it. 
Um, I recommend it. And you too will probably be handing it out like candy, like I do. Educators, leaders, thank you for the noble work you do. Be well.